Jesus is there. He said, I know, Mom, but I need somebody with skin on. (laughs) You like that? Our topic today is, what is God? It's the second in our series of uh, the New City uh, Catechism. And their answer is, God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. I can buy that. Have you ever thought, though, to describe what is God? What goes through my mind when I consider that question? How do we define... Okay. (laughs) How do we define the infinite with simple words? Is there more than one God? You know, in the study of every civilization in the history of mankind, as far back as we've been able to study people, there's always been a divine being recognized by them or a higher power who has attributed knowledge, wisdom, power greater than man possesses. Now, some cultures had many gods with various powers and different uh, tasks that they were assigned sometimes with a head god like Zeus or Odin, if you're Norwegian. (laughs) Gail is. (laughs) So we're not going to go into the history or description of the multitudes of gods this morning. But these gods all have something in common. They have similar traits. They are higher than us. They're higher than man with wisdom and strength and honor, etc. They require something of their subjects. Worship, sacrifice, loyalty, money, whatever. And they never seem to be satisfied. Whatever you did yesterday or last week, you have to do over again today or this week. They can't be seen, which requires faith. Now, there are other similarities, but all of these show us that mankind has a deep-rooted belief in a power greater than ourselves. It's in our DNA. We need something to worship. Even those who deny the existence of God uh, worship something and give it their devotion, whether it's the planet or the creation or in our society, sometimes we worship ourselves. But a supreme being is a common thread in the story of humanity. Webster defines God as, in a polytheistic uh, religion, 
a being to whom worship is asserted, or an image of such a being. Maybe I'll stutter less and read my words if I put these on. In a monotheistic religion, a supreme, he is a supreme being, seeing as omnipotent creator and ruler of the universe. In Genesis 1.1, our Bible begins with, In the beginning, God. Now that word for God, the Hebrew word Elohim, simply means God, the Lord. So I'm going to read Psalms out of my Bible instead of the one that's in your uh, bulletin. The New King James says, Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. David admits the existence of other gods, small g. But there's none like you, Lord. Same word, Elohim, from Genesis 1. God, the Lord, which is the proper name of God. The only proper name of God, like a title, the Lord, God of all. Now, I've spent a lot of time in 12-step programs. Before you dismiss them as something they're not, hear me out. The main focus is to get a person into contact and relationship with God to address their problem. I learned a great lesson about God here. You see... Most of the members have been beat up by the medical community, their families, the law, and unfortunately, the church. So it's a setting where you can come with a God of your understanding. Anything is welcome. New Age, Islam, Indian, Far East, you name it. But if you bring up the word, the name, Jesus Christ, and you're not cussing, you'll get, I've had some violent reactions. Like, you can't bring that in here. You can't bring religion in here. I had this epiphany. It's still valid to this day. If this one guy, if this one religion or faith is set apart from all the others as a threat or just denied validity from all the rest, there must be something to it. Now, I am not discounting anyone who attends 12-step meetings for any reason. As a matter of fact, I encourage it because there's genuine help there. But you'll find the same prejudice of you can't bring that in here from government, from the media, they'll bend over backwards 
to make room for Islam or any other faith, but Christianity and Judaism, it's open season. It's fashionable to bash them. David says, there is no one like, no one like you, O Lord, and no one can do the works you do. You made the nations, virtually everything. They'll come to worship you. Now, maybe not today. Sure doesn't look that way when we watch television or whatever. This could be a future thing. But he says, they'll glorify your name. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to agree with God now or ever. You see, God doesn't need any more glory. He doesn't need any more power or majesty or honor. He already has it all. God isn't diminished because of Congress. Kremlin, Kremlin, or the EU, or the UN, or LSD, or any other thing you want to call it. They shall glorify your name means they will prove who you are. They will fulfill the words you have spoken. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are Elohim. You alone are God. Now David in these few verses declares that there's, there's other powers out there. But they're nothing like the Lord. They're nothing like you, O Lord. God created all there is in the universe. Even the universe. He didn't just give us a spin, send us off and say... Well, have fun with that. He not only made all things, but he sustains all things. He's actively involved in every detail, every event, from the galaxies far away to the city limits of Gunnison, to the pew you're sitting in, to your very heart. Other gods can't even come close. So what do we do with a supreme being like that? How do we begin to define him? Now, in our humanity, we define someone by what they do. Jody makes jewelry. Patrick delivers mail. Judy Brown is the greatest hostess. If you haven't experienced this, you need to. Donna's a nurse. Kathy practices law. Ben manages finances. You know, it's the American conversation. Hi. What's your name? Next question. What do you do? We define people by what they do. Well, what does God do? We see his creation... What a wonderful, awesome, detailed work of art it is. Think of the orbit of our little blue uh, planet around the sun. 
From the moment God said, this is your path, it was so. If we were a few miles closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were a few miles further away, we'd freeze to death. The rotation is just the perfect speed. If it were faster, very little would grow. If it were slower, the side facing the sun would scorch. And it's perpetual. How many think this is going to happen again tomorrow? I'm the only one. Oh, we've got another. It's perpetual. It's sustained by God. Think of nature. Flora, fauna, creatures of the sea and the sky. The more we look at our own existence as human beings, the greater detail we discover. Not just talking about a right and left foot. Remember when they discovered blood types? And then chromosomes? And then DNA? And it keeps going on and on and on with more detail. And I believe more detail will be discovered in the future. Big and small, everything is perfectly designed and created and everything works in concert with everything else. David was right. There are no works like your works, O Lord. But that's just one thing that defines God. Remember the people I named just a minute ago that do this or do that and how we identify them? Isn't each one of those people much, much more? They're mothers and fathers and spouses and they're, they're unique in their personalities. No two alike in the seven or whatever billion there are. No two alike. They're different in their likes and dislikes, their giftings and complexities. And when we identify them by what they do, we're only looking at a single page in a vast volume of who they are. Each one is much, much more than what we do. Now let's apply that same reasoning to God. What is God? Where do I begin? Psalm 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, that's that same word, Elohim, are full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy and truth. God doesn't just have some of these qualities. It says he is full of them. I'm not sure how much full is other than to say God cannot be more compassionate. He cannot be more gracious or long-suffering. He cannot be more merciful than he is. He cannot be more true than he is. Because that is what he is. And looking at his work, the creation of the universe, and all that is in it, is only a page. Only a page in the vast volume of what God is. 
Now, here's a challenge for you. What words could I possibly assemble in a row that would do proper justice to Elohim, to the Lord? You know, in a handicapped way, I believe humanity has wrestled with this question since our very beginning. Mankind has come up with a myriad of religious practices and religious expression to define and make contact with God. And some of them are pretty weird. So I have another question I'd like to ask. Would God, full of compassion, grace, patience, mercy, and truth, just leave us hanging? Not caring if we could figure this out or not? I don't think so. Psalm 46.10, David writes, Be still and know that I am God. Do away with all the confusion. Do away with everything. Just be still and know that He's God. He has not abandoned us to our imagination or to the option of chance. John the Baptist said in John 1.18, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Well, I want to know what God is. There's never been anyone who's seen Him except one. The only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. He declared him. Now this verse says that Jesus is in the bosom of God. They share an intimacy that I can't describe or fully comprehend. They're, they're one. Now that word Elohim from Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. Did you know that that is a plural word? It's not singular. It's not one guy. It's like the difference between him and them or me and us. Them, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we'll find out later in this, uh, in this catechism, is in the Bible and in this series. So them being one, in an intimacy greater and closer than mortal man could know or perceive, the what in the what is God is given definition. By that I mean this. The what is God question can be answered by everything Jesus said about his Father. Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount. We don't have time to read that today, but I encourage you to read it when you get home. Jesus speaks of the secret relationship with the Father. He speaks of the all-encompassing care of the Father. How to be forgiving like God the Father. And how to have an unhindered relationship with Him. 
and that God is aware and active in every aspect of our lives, the good and the bad. John 14, 9, Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. The study of the life of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, is a study of what, or maybe better said, who God is. Now look at Romans 8. And we know that all things, starting at verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. Whom he called, those he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Powerful words. Now, where was I? Oh. You see that God is actively involved in every detail of our lives, good and bad. That he is steering all things for good in our lives as individuals, as a family, as a community, as a state, as a nation, as a world. He has a purpose. Here's a kicker. He knew me before my parents ever met. Or their parents. Or their parents before them. Clear back to creation. Before Genesis 1-1. He knew me. And you. And every one of us. He, from then, has given a destiny that is, that he would form his son in my life. And when the time was right, he called me by name, in person. All of me, the good and the bad, just the way I am. And then he justified me by the work of his son in his life, death, resurrection, and now sitting at the right hand of God where I am glorified because of my identity in Him. Talk about a great God. You know, every time I said I and me right there, should be you and us. Everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ for their salvation. And the last part talks about where He makes intercession for us. You know what that means? 
whenever Satan or any other entity comes before the throne of God and said, look what Jeff did today. You know that's against your law. There is one sitting at God's right hand who extends his scarred hand and says, paid for, justified. You know what the word justified means to a Christian? Just as if I'd never. That's justified. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. This will be our last scripture for today. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's awesome. You know, this small text outlines the entire Bible from Genesis 1-1 to date to eternity. Want to know the outline? There it is. We can explain what is God by looking at what He does. In closing, I'd like to say that There's a bridge between what is God and who is God. The bridge from information to experience. Making it personal. God has called every one of us. Have you answered? You know, you can't become a Christian just by hanging around church or because your parents were. Osmosis does not work in Christianity. We have to ask God ourselves. We have to make a a conscious decision and humble ourselves and say, simply, I need a Savior. At that moment, a new understanding, a new sense of being comes into into us, a new relationship and an eternal journey with the person who is God. Now, if you're wrestling with that question in any way, there will be some up here including myself, to pray with you after the service. There will be also uh, up here to pray for, for any reason, whatever it is. Now let's close in prayer. Father, you're awesome. Words cannot describe, but we confess with our lips right now
There is none like you, nor has there ever been, nor shall there ever be. I pray that you'd apply these words to the heart and mind of everybody who walked through that door this morning or listens on the radio, and that they would not be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Our final hymn is going to be up there, How Great Thou Art, wherever Marty went.
Thanks for listening. This day, may each of us, though we're walking in the what, experience the who God is. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, go in peace.